if there's ever been a time to hear from heaven, now's the time. If there's ever been a time to, to get direction from the Lord, discernment, now's the time. And so with these things being said, thought about Acts chapter 28. I want to read these first few verses of Scripture. I want you to hear the word of the Lord, but I pray that it provokes you this week to go back and review it again and hear what God perhaps is saying in a little bit more of a detailed individual perspective for you. Acts 28 verse 1. Now when they had escaped, they then found out the island was called Malta, about 60 miles south of, 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 of the coast or the very southern part of Italy. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. What kind of kindness? Now, that would be a good sermon title, Unusual Kindness for Unusual Times. But maybe that's next week. Somebody remind me. Maybe that's the next week's message, right? For they kindled a fire, and they made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. In fact, I think I'm going to turn that into a podcast this week. But when the Lord, or but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper. Now, my Bible in the New King James says viper. I'm not quite sure what your translation says, but a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Though Paul escapes a shipwreck, he writes in, um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, he writes not one, not two, but he survived three shipwrecks. This is one of them. Though this man has survived the shipwreck, this snake has fastened to his hand, and so we are now all convinced that justice does not allow him to live. Would you look at verse 5 with me? But he shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. I'd like to read verse 5 one more time. But he shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. I want to talk for the next few moments, and I know this is really Pentecostal here, really Pentecostal, but I want to talk to you for the next 15, 20 minutes about shaking it off. Shaking it off. May I, may I preach to you for the next few moments from the title, Shake It Off, okay? Uh, that's about 10% of the folk in the room. May I talk to you for the next few moments about uh, Shake It Off, okay? How about you be the preacher with me? Let's just preach each other together. Go ahead and look at somebody and say, neighbor, shake it off. Come on, say, neighbor. We're going to learn these next few moments how to shake it off. All right, let's get started this, just for a few moments. Now, now before I really focus on the second part of the message, I, I'd, be a, I'd be a sad preacher today if I didn't focus on verse 1 and 2. I love verse 1 and 2. I, I really do. I've preached it before, but today in COVID-19, it really, really uh, 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 connects 
and it is more relevant now than ever before. Verse 1, now when they had escaped, then they found that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain was falling and because of the cold. Uh, two thoughts come to mind. Number one, not only did these natives show kindness, the Bible says they showed unusual kindness. Now, why, why would Luke have written unusual kindness? Notice, the Bible says he showed us. That lets us know that Luke was a part of the crowd. Luke was a part of the team. Luke is now with Paul. He understands some of these things that are happening. They showed unusual kindness. Um, you know, we got, the, we got the RNC in town. I counted not one, two, three. I think I counted four squadron of police bicycles, groups of bicycles, this morning while looking outside. Last night, protesting. Conference hasn't started yet, and already people are squaring up. This is going to be a week for our world to remember. And I say these things to say this, whether it's the physical protesting or the online protesting, whether it's the physical opposition or the online opposition, we need to be like the church in Acts 28 like never before. They showed unusual kindness. I just want to take a moment right now to remind every one of you all, may we overcome hate. May we overcome murder, the spirit of murder, the spirit of hate, the spirit of division, and sometimes even envy and jealousy. And may we overcome that with the spirit of love. And what kind of love? Unconditional love. What kind of love? Unproven or unworked for love, right? May we have the love of Christ, particularly in this pandemic season. And part of that, part of showing that type of love is not being so insecure and wearing your feelings on your sleeve. As the old uh, saying goes, if you can't take the heat, stay out the kitchen, right? And some of us are engaging in with online battles and online wars, but we're getting uh, uh, discouraged and, and we're getting hurt because we don't like what people are saying in response. Well, maybe you should have thought of that before you went to the World Wide Web. Okay? The spirit of division in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church. Well, I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Republican. Well, they're too far right. Well, they're too far left. What about this policy? What about that policy? And I think you should have a voice, and you should share your voice. But you have to do it in love. And when someone doesn't see it your way, there's no time to kill them. Uh, no one's saying amen. Listen, I'm an old pro at it. I know what it's like to go in both directions online. And I've chose the latter earlier this year and said, you know what? It doesn't do anything for me to outdo the other. So just show love and continue to minister and encourage and bless people as much as you can. Number two, may we kindle a fire of God's presence and of God's power so everyone feels welcome. I, I said this past week, and, and my, my, my day, oh, it was on Thursday night online. You know, may we be so secure in our walk with God and in the Bible we read that we can show love to all people and that all people can feel welcome. And I know that's a challenge for many of us because we have our quirks, we have our hang-ups, we've got our predispositions, we've got our phobias and fears. But I'm kind of trying to figure out something right here. If the God that we serve is all that, why do we lessen ourselves to fight other gods? All right. All 
You understand what I'm saying? If the God of glory and the God of the Bible and the God of our creation is really real, is really relevant, I don't have to stoop down to someone else's level, right, to, to ridicule, quote, unquote, their gods. Huh? And I want us as a church, whether it's in, on campus or online, may we represent the love of Jesus and the compassion of the Lord by kindling a fire so everyone can feel welcome. Everyone can feel welcome. And this is part of my theory, and this is part of my, my, my campaign, that maybe, God, you've allowed COVID-19 to hit our world so churches could come out of the land of comfortability and reach out to people who really need help. Someone homeless comes and sits next to you or close to you at least. Can you make them feel welcome, although there's a stench in the air? I said Thursday night, I had the opportunity to, to, to serve not one, but two uh, transgenders. People, men, women, I don't know, but two this past week. And you know, the old preacher in me years ago would have turned up this little self-righteousness stank look. And I could justify and say, well, I'm, I'm staring because I'm looking at something weird. And normally people stare at things that they don't quite understand is weird. And that was yesterday. That was yesteryear. But now I got to realize, you know what, they got a soul. That's right. That's right. And maybe it is their weirdness that's crying out for somebody, not to pre-label them, but to show them love. Y'all not talking to the preacher this morning. Now, and listen, I'm not, I'm not wavering in my convictions. Don't get me wrong now. I don't have no trans-scriptural uh, interpretation. Right. right is right, wrong is wrong. But Jesus died on the cross for that trans life as he died for my crazy self. They kindled a fire so that everyone felt welcome. How welcome are people in your circle? How welcome are people in your small group? How welcome are people in your online circle. You know why? Because it was raining awfully hard and it was awfully cold. And I don't know about you. I can handle the rain, Elder Montgomery, but I don't know if I can handle the rain and it's cold. I might be able to handle the cold, right? And we've been places where it was freezing cold, but I don't know if I can handle the cold and the rain. Could it be that we're living in a season called COVID-19 where it is both cold and rainy? Who will be the church? In fact, let me just do this real quick. I hadn't planned to do this. No one on my notes. This Thursday, we'll be on Freedom Drive. And I promise you, this is not on my notes. I don't have any little cliff notes in my head. But as you all know, I, 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 was, I was asked to do some consulting for an organization um, that needed to handle or deal with the disparity in the black community as related to COVID-19 testing. I didn't go to them. They came to me. I had a former colleague reach out and said, this guy can do some connecting, do this, that, and that. So they showed me the vision. I understood, prayed about it, signed on. And it's been really a great, great ministry. It's been a really great opportunity. So, 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 uh, I mean, I've been all over the country doing this, but I don't want to forget my own backyard. And so this coming Thursday, this coming Thursday, and I don't know if we have the flyer up. I know it wasn't ready as of this morning. Maybe they got it ready since that time. But we're going to be on Freedom Drive from 9 to 4 o'clock, 9 to 3, 9 to 4, Freedom Drive. 
There's a gentleman called Doc's Pharmacy. Let me just show you how the Lord works. A gentleman called Doc's Pharmacy. I drove by about, about a month ago and I said, well, can we do this? I don't want to have that event here in, in Huntersville because no one will drive to Huntersville. No one will come up from Charlotte, even as much as the need is. But if we have it in the armpit of the hood, if we have it somewhere where there's a lot of pedestrian traffic, this, that, and the other, maybe, maybe they give us a success to reach more people. Remember now, there's a disparity. COVID-19 has, has really exposed the black community as there is a health disparity. One of the things, be, and I've asked them to hold me accountable, but one of the things I want to focus on um, after September is, is health awareness, health ministry, health consciousness, everywhere from the physical, the mental, uh, uh, the emotional. I mean, I really want to dig deep for the next for, for, for maybe two, four, maybe even six weeks and creating a more health conscious culture. The reason we've seen so many deaths in the black community was because of our pre, pre, uh, preconditions. We were already, many of us were already sick with something here and there and didn't take a lot for COVID to come and slam our community. And so the truth of the matter was, you know, hey, if you got money in healthcare, the health, the, the COVID testing to come to your home and come to your uh, nice little quaint community and, and, and behind uh, 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 gated fences. But for many of us, we didn't have healthcare. We didn't have insurance. And so I, we're, we're dying left and right when a lot of this could have been prevented. And so part of the motive of doing this was to make sure we minister to so many other people. So now we, we had an old lab, of, you know, about a month and a half ago, and that lab got ridiculously crazy and the, the testing was done, but yet the results took so long. And as you all have heard, people are waiting eight, nine hours in line, and then people are waiting two and three weeks to get the results. Well, you know, we went out and found a new lab, and this new lab, they're turning these tests around in three days or less, four days or less. Uh, you're not waiting anymore, probably in 30, 45 minutes to get the test. Say that to say this. Listen, whether you're asymptomatic or not, even if you don't feel like you need it, do it because of the, the, the vulnerable ones in your home, in your area, right? So I say that to say this. Um, this is the first test I'm going to do where I'm going to do a PR press release. We want the community to know that the African-American church is responding in crisis in the African-American community when the time is needed the most, right? Remember, remember two weeks ago, the church that responds when the need is the greatest will be the church that people will remember because they were there. We, we, we don't have the luxury of playing it safe and pulling the shades down and waiting this thing on out until it passes by. We got to pull up ourselves by our bootstraps, get in the community, get in the grassroots, get in the way and try to make a difference. And so that's what you'll hear when you see the TV media and you see the little articles. We're unashamedly saying we want to make sure we help bridge the gap of disparity in our community by providing these services. And yes, I want it to look like, I want people to see African-American nurse practitioners, doctors, healthcare people, church, volunteers. So I went by the guy's office like two weeks ago and said, hey, uh, I'm Pastor Mike Stevens. I'm up in Huntersville. And okay, good. My name, my, my name is Dr. Mike, somebody, somebody, African last name. And he owns Doc Pharmacy. I said, no, we'd like to do something in your parking lot, blah, 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 blah. Make a long story short. He said, well, come back by. We'll talk about it. Came back by. We'll talk about it. What but me and him and another black man sitting there in his pharmacy that morning, right before I came over to Ebenezer. And so come to find out, he comes from behind the desk, sits at the little waiting area with me and his other man said, I want to introduce you to my pastor. And I said, well, great, His Pastor Apostle Richardson, somebody. He said, listen, my church is actually across the street from here. Do you mind if I just do free barbecue ribs and barbecue dinners for everybody for free of charge? I said, do I mind? I'd love for you to have for free food. So just to show you, when God gives you a vision, he already begins to put things in place for the vision. And that might be little to some of you all, but to me, it only reinforces that when you have a heart, and the church that makes up his mind that we're going to respond in community when the need is the greatest, God will supply every need. Now, you may not be the pastor, you may not be the organizer, but in your own space, 
in your own world. You're trying to do something right now. And I need you to know, he gives grace for every good work. You got to go back and ask yourself the question, do I have a good work? Am I doing a good work for the Lord? And if you are, God already is lined up every miracle you're going to need, every resource you're going to need, every relationship you're going to need, all right? So this cannot be the time where we lose, we fall back, and we're comfortable. If there's ever been a time to shine, if there's ever been a time to rise up, now is the time. They showed unusual kindness. They kindled a fire. Let's go back to Acts 28. Let's talk about this, this devil here, all right? Now, there was a viper, the Bible says. The word, the word in Hebrew they used was viper. We would probably have used the word snake, right? So whether it is a viper, a snake, in fact, the Bible also uses the word creature. The word creature means created act. So, okay, here we go. I, I don't know if you're going to be ready for me. Okay. You can use the word serpent. You can use the word viper. You can use the word snake. But not once, but twice, Luke calls it a creature. The Hebrew word for creature is created act. So, I wonder did God create that snake for that moment to prove something bigger than what was, that, what was on the surface? Stay with me. Stay with me. I want to go a little further here. So the Bible says the viper came out of the heat. Notice, it came out of the heat. Oh, y'all not walking with me now. It, 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 it ain't come from the tree. So we're not back in the Garden of Eden. It's not Genesis 1 where the serpent. Now notice, and, uh, go, to, go with me to Genesis. Go to, go just real quick, go to Genesis. I want to show you something. Let me show you something. In fact, go with me to Genesis chapter 3, and then I want you to keep a finger on John chapter 10, all right? I, I just want to show you something. Someone, I hope, can use this on today. Genesis, you, you all do know what Genesis is, right? It's in the front of the book, okay? Uh, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. I told you. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, uh, well, she had really no business talking to him, but it's okay. He may eat of the fruit of the tree, or we may eat of the fruit of the tree in another garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch, lest you should die. And the serpent said to the woman, lie number one, you will not die. For God knows that in that day you will eat it and your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I, I really don't have time to read that whole narrative, but let me give you a couple of observations. Let me give you a couple of observations real quick. Number one, the serpent could talk. All right? Number two, if you keep reading, you'll find out that the serpent not only could talk, but the serpent could walk. He was a walking snake. Right? Not only could he walk, but he could talk. But not only could the snake talk, he could reason, right? Now, if, if you don't believe me, keep reading, and you'll find out that after God curses the snake, first thing you can't do no more is walk. So he crawls now on his belly. And we are thousands of years later, and any snake you see, you don't see no snake walking. I don't care how magical it looks like. Snake's going to crawl on his belly because God already spoke it. But let me give you another dimension to think about. The same serpent, which is the devil, right? a depiction of the enemy, has to be recognized in John chapter 10. The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life 
and life more abundantly. Let me tie it all together here. So this same created act of God, right, called the serpent or the snake, in fact, is everything that embodies evil and destruction. It was a poisonous serpent that embodied evil and destruction. Eve had no bottom talking. She really had no business talking to the snake. Here's another fallacy. All of, we always see the Michelangelo's and the Picasso's and all of these renderings and pictures of an apple. Nowhere in the Bible did it say apple. Could have been a peach for all we're concerned. Could have been a plum. Could have, could have been a watermelon. We don't know. We just know it was a fruit, right? All we know, it was a fruit. And it was the biggest trick of the serpent to get Eve and Adam, for that matter, to believe the lie. Now, let's go back to Acts 28. Just want to kind of put some context in this. The viper did not come from the trees. The viper didn't crawl from the ground. The Bible says clearly, Luke writes, it came from the heat. You may have a hard time equating COVID-19 as a disease to heat. But we're all in the fire of the furnace of our lives in this season of our lives. Not only, and if you hold your finger right there, you'll find out not only did it come from the heat, it goes back to the heat, but I'll get to that in a moment. The Bible says, because of this snake and this viper comes out of the heat, it attaches itself to the arm of Paul. I don't know why Luke writes this. I'm not Luke. I don't, I mean, when we get to heaven, maybe one of the days we'll spend a day with Luke and say, hey, Luke, what was your thinking when you wrote what you wrote? It fastens to the hand of Paul. But he focuses not on Paul. He now focuses on the people. The Bible says that the natives' response and reply was, no doubt this man is a murderer. I knew that, I mean, I knew that fellow was wrong. I knew there was something about him we didn't like. I knew that somehow or another we, 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 he wasn't going to make it. Now, he made the shipwreck. He's on his way to Rome to go to prison to stand before the council. But apparently, God is finished with him. Apparently, God ain't going to use him no more. Apparently, God is judging him. Apparently, God is wanting to cast sinners. Yeah, he thought he was something when he made it past the shipwreck, but this whole poisonous viper, ain't no way he's going to be able to escape the justice. I love that. The justice that is due to him. Keep that in the back of your head. Let me keep moving. Just keep that in the back of your head. But the Bible says something curious, interesting. He shakes off the creature the creature goes back into the fire. you got to see this with me now. Again, I know we think about Africa. We think about the jungle and the Congo and big jungle boa constrictors and, you know, northern part of, 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 of South America. Uh, you see them hanging from the vines and all. But it, it wasn't like that. Luke writes and says, with his scientific professional self, the snake came from the fire. And when Paul shakes it off, he shakes it back into the fire. Could we now agree maybe, just maybe, that this is, was not no ordinary snake. This was no ordinary serpent. But there was a viper, a poisonous serpent of evil destruction. Stay with me. And the Bible says Paul shakes off the viper. I read this earlier this week, and I really want to tend to preach this message. But often as I do, when I read, I'll sit back and I'll look up in the space and say, God, what did the word just say? What is it saying now? And what is it saying to me? Those are the three principles of Bible study. What did the word just say? What is it saying now? And what is it saying to me? And I really believe the Spirit of God spoke and said, you know, in this COVID-19 pandemic season, 
you have to learn how to shake things off like never before. Things that once were usual are now unusual, right? Things that was a precedent are now unprecedented. Things that were orthodox are now unorthodox. Things are what we call the new normal. And if you're going to survive this season mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you better learn how to shake some things off. I hope you're staying with me real quick. Whether it's in your marriage, with your children, on the job, in your mind, you better learn how to separate the difference from building brick houses and pitching to bury tents. We often have the tendency, if I said from time to time, we have a tendency to pitch tents when we ought to be building houses. And sometimes we're building houses when we should have temporarily just pitched a tent. Shaking it off, shaking it off. And so I stayed in that Bible study for a little longer and said, God, what is it that you want me to tell the people that they shake off? He gave me three things. Back, write them down if you can. Number one, we shake off doubt and unbelief. Number two, discouragement and disappointment. Number three, distractions, diversions, and deserters. Let me go back through all those again. He shook them off. What enemies, what devil, what spirit of serpent or created poisonous things shouldn't we be shaking off in this season? What about shaking off the spirit of doubt and unbelief? Bible says in James 1, verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, with no doubting. How many of y'all pray? Let me just see a show of hands. How many of y'all pray? Bible says Jesus rose early in the morning while it was still night, and he prayed in a solitary place. Everyone should be praying like never before in this season. Question number two, how many of us are praying without doubt, without doubt? Because if you'll be honest, like I do, all oh, that spirit of doubt will seep in and make you wonder, God, am I just talking to myself? God, how do I pray when it's hard as to pray? Lord, it seems like, uh, 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 like you're hearing me, but I ain't hearing nothing from you. You know, how do you keep the regimen of prayer by faith and doubt is not knocking at the door? And so the Bible says, uh, uh, let me continue on. The Bible says that let him ask uh, without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the driven sea, tossed by something you can't see. He who doubts is like a wave driven by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. And that's the spirit of the enemy. That's what doubt wants to do for you. He wants you to spend your religious self time in prayer and get up and 10 seconds later believe nothing you just spent that time in prayer for. He wants you to come to church, shout, dance, blow bubbles, speak in tongues, spit all over everybody, have a Holy Ghost physiectomy in the church, and by the time you hit Sanford Road, you have no clue how your tomorrow's going to look. You can confess, you can decree, you can declare, you can call those things out or not, but my God, the first time opposition hits, you go into a tailspin. Let not that man ask and, believe, well, and, and doubt. For he's like a wind, or excuse me, he's like a sea who's tossed by something he can't even see. That man, though he thinks he's got something going on, the Bible says that he is double-minded, unstable, in all of his ways. Number two, discouragement, disappointment. Let me be, uh, let me be Dr. Luke just for a few moments, all right? Uh, Maricall Jenkins, who's a licensed clinical social worker, she wrote this about discouragement. Recognize and begin to identify these cancellations as a loss. The question was asked, how do you cope in COVID-19 as a parent, as a student? How do you cope with all of the things you've experienced in this season? Her, one of her answers is simply this. 
Recognize and begin to identify these cancellations. What? School, graduations, proms, birthday present, maybe a lifelong trip you've always wanted to take, things that you've been planning for, things that were almost a rites of passage, things that you've been dreaming about for so long. And now it seems as it's not. She says you need to see these things as a loss. There are events of which you prepared for, you've dreamed about, again, graduation, birthday celebrations, trips, weddings, all of that, knowing that we aren't able to share these moments and memories can be very devastating and can be heartbreaking. These disappointments, believe it or not, are something we've all experienced. I've experienced that as a parent. I'm experiencing that even as a pastor. In my own world, I'm just seeing things. I'm saying, God, if it had not been for this season, who knows if this corner could have been turned? Who knows what would have happened here? And instead of running from our disappointments, her advice is you need to run to those things and face them. Maybe that's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, for I consider, excuse me, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I am forgetting those things which are behind me. We can't go back to graduation May. We can't go to April's prom. We can't go back to the wedding or the trip or whatever the things that we have lost. And even talks about how you talk to your kids. Don't belittle or don't make small of what your children are experiencing. But somehow we got to be an example and tell them. And I just think about so many great opportunities that should have and could have and would have. You can't run from them. You got to face them head on and say, you know what? Count it as a loss. Paul says, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I will never be able to reach forward unless I bring completion to the things that I have no control over. Listen closely. You've lost some money in this season. You've lost some opportunity in this season. You cannot keep dwelling on what could have been. Right? As I told my daughter, and I'm going to tell every one of you, something good will come out of this for you. I don't have the crystal ball. Can't tell how it's going to look, but something good. I'd like for you to say that with me. Come on, something good will come out of all of this just for me. Come on, let's say it again. Something good will come out of all of this just for me. Is there anybody who don't mind saying it one more time with me for three? Come on. Something good will come out of all of this just for me. And so he says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upper call of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let me give something else to think about. As much as we hate some of the wonderful family events and some of the wonderful things we've missed, and it, is, and it can be devastating, and it can be hurtful, but you got to realize somebody else right now is homeless. Somebody else really doesn't know where their next square meal is coming from. And I'm not asking you to compare yourselves to them, and the Bible says that's not often wise, but the disappointments are minor compared to others who are now dealing with illnesses. When Bishop was with us yesterday, he had gotten a phone call right there in the middle of the, of the meeting and said, you know what, one of my most faithful, 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 faithful elders of over 20-some-odd years is not expected to live because of COVID-19. And he sat there next to me and said, he just hated it. He says, you know, every church, every pastor has that member or so that you just say, God, why that one and not this one? And some of us are scratching our heads in a season like this. Think about it now. You've had to bury loved ones online. You've had to say goodbye to people you've lived with all your life on a TV screen or a laptop screen. You can't tell me that doesn't have some type of mental, emotional impact. But the Bible says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Come on, say it one more time. Say something good is going to happen. Just for me. Number two, distractions. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, distractions. Excuse me. Number three, distractions, diversions, and deserters. Let me talk about the serpent of distractions. The serpent of deserters. The serpent or the snake or the poisonous enemy that comes with diversion and distraction. Um, you need to know this today. An addiction to distraction is the death of your creative production. The addiction, all right, to distraction is the death of your creative, creative production. Uh, let me give you another quote. I'm going to give you the source in a moment. Stop managing your time and start managing your focus. Now, I, I don't want to get too personal with any of you all because I don't want you to write me later this week. Pastor, even, I, I can't understand why you would preach on me like you did, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Let's talk about all of us, all right? Not us. All of us. All of us. This COVID-19 season has gotten us nice, warm, and fuzzy to social media, to TV, to Netflix. We're trying to bypass things with time that normally we wouldn't because we'd be so active and busy and productive. One of my colleague friends sent me a book recommendation, and I don't, you know, I, I, some, I, some I take, some I don't. But this one I took because I knew his lifestyle, and I knew his production, I knew his level of, 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 of worth. And so I went and got the book, and I'm going to share this with you all, and I'm going to give you a head start because I, I, I foresee that the Lord delay is coming sometime between now and the end of the year. We may end up going into a nice little small group study, just a nice little small group study. It's called The 5 A.M. Club by Robin Sherma. Own your morning, elevate your life. Own your morning and elevate your life. Let me say that again. An addiction to distraction is the death of your creative production. Uh, in this book, it talks about beware of the broken focus syndrome. Now, I don't know when the book was written. could be many years ago, but man, the COVID-19 pandemic time, <laughs> boy, there's some broken focus syndrome. And we're trying to bypass the time with Netflix, with, 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 with social media. And I said last week, I said, hey, I'm not ashamed to tell you, you can go on Facebook for, for 30 seconds and three hours later, you're still on Facebook. Didn't mean to, but you just got nosy. I mean, you just got inquiring of, you know, of, of what's going on in the world, I guess. You know, I, I'm a Twitter junkie. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. I love Twitter. I can have news in two, three, four seconds or less. But you, you start seeing what's happening in Israel. Now what's happening in Africa. Now what's happening on the West Coast. Okay, we got a hurricane. Now we got a tropical storm. And then we got this in the White House. Okay, we got this with Biden. Oh, Kamala Harris. I mean, it, 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 it's a time Consumer. I got a quote I wanted to read out of the book. And again, uh, if you feel like I'm rushing through all of this, don't worry. We may very well come back to this. On page 20, it says something very interesting. I want to read this out loud. Page 20. And again, it's by Robin Sherma. And he talks a lot about the diversion of distraction. And, and when I thought about the word of God, about the serpent and the snake and the creativeness that came out of the heat, I said, I wonder, could that be a distraction that we need to be warned about? So on page 120, let me read this real quick. It says this quote. Filling valuable hours with meaningless moves is a drug of choice for most people. The billionaire continued. Intellectually, we know we shouldn't be wasting time on quote-unquote zero-value activities, but emotionally, we just can't beat the temptation. We just can't fight the hook. This behavior is costing organizations billions of dollars of lost productivity and deficient quality. And as I suggested earlier, people are making more mistakes in their work than ever before because they can't present what, or they, they aren't present to what they're doing. Their precious concentration has been hijacked by a foolish use of technology 
and their priceless focus has been kidnapped, costing them their chance to create their best work and calibrate their finest lives. So I, what I did was I went back to page 119. I'm reading backwards kind of right here. But I said, you know what? He goes on to say, in some ways, new technology and social media are not, er excuse me, they are not only eroding the Everest of our glorious productive potential, but they're also training us to be less human. For we have fewer real conversations, fewer true connections, and fewer meaningful interactions. Can I give you one more quote? Let me give you one more quote, page 18. I'm going backwards, all right? Some of those distractions and addictions are this. High impact, oh, excuse me. He talks about high impact performers, whether it's sports, art, media, whatever, you name it. High impact performers and genuine world builders aren't very available to whoever seeks their attention and demands their time. They're hard to reach. They waste few moments and are far more focused on doing real work versus artificial work. And so they deliver the breathtaking results that advances our world. Other avoiding tactics from the pain of potential unexpressed are hours mindlessly surfing online, electronic shopping, working too much, drinking too much, eating <clears throat> too much, complaining too much, and sleeping too much. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of this, but it talks about the victimization mentality, how we end up spending more time blaming everybody else for our woes and our actions than looking in the mirror and dealing with the things. I'm gonna come back to the book one more time in a moment. But the serpent, the creative poisonous snake of distraction, diversion, deserters, doubt, and unbelief. I gotta close the message, my time is up. But I, I, I can't just let, leave y'all hanging and just go home with what you've heard. Maybe the question should be, how do we shake off these distractions? How do we shake off these doubt and deserters? How do we shake off the disappointments that has been caused by this pandemic time and season? Number one, I'm gonna give you three things real quick. Number one, realize, number one, that this is all temporary and it won't always last. What we are experiencing, and I know that they still forecast a few months ahead of us, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still only temporary. You know why? Because trouble won't last always. Yes. Trouble won't last always. That same licensed therapist went on to say, acknowledge the feeling of hurt, disappointment, sadness, worry, and anger. The more we try to minimize or push away those emotions, quite frankly, that's not good. The more they will end up weighing us down. Over time, unresolved feelings will impact how we cope with other stressors, how we feel about ourselves, and how we interact in our relationships. Let me say it again. The times that we are experiencing they're only temporary. Let me give you a quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 4. For our light afflictions is yet for a moment, but they're working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For we do not look at the things which are seen. I know we see the media. We see a race war. As I told my, well, as I said this past week, you think you've seen some colors flying? You think you've seen some stuff in our country, we've not seen nothing yet. The church, the Christian believer, we've been praying and preparing for such a tsunami 
of what we are about to experience. Hear me. I'm not being political at all. No matter where you're at in this argument, this country hasn't seen the worst of this season. When I seen all those police officers this morning, I said, they know something about this week. I didn't see them preparing like that six months ago. And you combine that with an election, you combine that with the, the deterioration, deterioration and the removing of a veneer with mental, emotional stress of this season, our prayer should be, God, keep us from killing ourselves. Keep us from killing one another. I said Thursday night, you don't have to go to Chicago now. You don't have to go to Milwaukee. You don't have to go to, to St. Louis and Baltimore. We right now are experiencing all-time homicide murder rate in our own city. We are already on pace to break every record we've ever had. It is a combination, a tsunami of so many things. But the believer has to realize trouble don't last always. Whatever we're seeing is temporary. And what you can't see is eternal. God is working in your favor. Number two, there's a pain and a purpose, excuse me, there's a plan and a purpose for every pain. God never waste a pain. That same book, 5 a.m. Club, said this, no matter where you are in the highway or in the pathway of your life, please don't let the pain of an imperfect past hinder the glory of a fabulous future. We all have gone through some pain. We've all experienced hurt. We've all experienced some loss. But you got to realize one thing. Paul realized that there was a snake on his hand. But somewhere or another, I got to find the courage, the conviction, and the confidence to shake it off. Yes, we've gone through some shipwrecks. Yes, we've been lied on. Yes, we've gone through some turmoil. But this snake, I mean, I can only imagine Paul saying, if the shipwreck didn't kill me, you know I ain't going to let this snake kill me. If the brother who turned on me didn't kill me, you know I'm not going to let this snake kill me. So he shakes it off back into the fire. Uh, I don't want to meddle, and I know my time is up, but you know, there's a little fleshiness of my preaching from time to time. I just got to meddle some time in people affairs and, and social affairs, right? I, I read across the scripture in verse 6. The Bible says after he shook off the snake, the Bible says, however, the people were expecting that he should swell up and suddenly fall down and die. But after he had looked, or after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and they said that he was the God. I said, hot almighty, you mean the same people who said justice is playing this course. He's a murderer. He's guilty. God ain't going to cause him to live. He's going to die. The Bible says as they waited for a while to see if he's going to die or not. Uh, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost talked to me this past week. He said, there are some people who are waiting for you to die, and they get a little impatient that you ain't dead yet. Uh, uh, don't look at me like that. There's some folks waiting for you to die. There's some folks... They, didn't, they don't think you deserved a second marriage. They don't believe you deserve a second chance. They didn't think you're going to make it through the loss of a husband, loss of a wife, a loss of a child. They didn't think you're going to make it through a foreclosure, through this, through that. No matter what has rocked your world, there will always be people waiting for you to swell up and die. Go back and read the Bible. The Bible says, verse 6, they were waiting for you to die. And after they got impatient and realized that you ain't dying, they said, boy, that's a bad dude. I love him. He's my ace boon coon. Oh, I tell you, Paul, you the man. In fact, you's a God. 
Be careful of the phony and the fickleness of people. People will waffle and waver back and forth uh, depending on what day it is in the week. Be the same people who said, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Say, get the biggest nail, get the biggest cross. We don't want Barabbas, we want Jesus. Same people who said, Paul, Paul, you're this and you're that, were the same folk in that mob crowd to want to kill them. Don't get hung up on the opinions and comments. The Bible says, whoa, to when men speak well of you, then you will know. So you be careful. Some of the same people who tried to kill you will be there to try to celebrate you. And the verse part of that is the same folk who celebrate you on the drop of a hat will be the same folk who try to kill you. I got to get out of here. My time is up. Uh, pain quote, is a doorway into the deep. Trage tragedy is nature's greatest purifier. It burns away the fakeness, the fear, and the arrogance that is of the ego. Return us to our brilliance and genius. If you have the courage to go into that which wounds you, suffering yields many rewards, including empathy, originality, relatability, and authenticity. Again, that's from the 5 a.m. club. Pain has a way of rewarding you if you hang in there long enough. If you hang in there long enough. Number three, and I close. Though you feel this pain, you will not suffer harm. Though you feel this pain, and I think we all need to be honest and say we felt some pain in this season. We felt some loss in this season. We felt some harm in our, 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 some, 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 we've gone through some opposition in this season. But notice what the Bible concludes and says about Paul. He suffered no harm. He suffered no harm. May I prophesy? And may I just pass you for a moment and just remind you, maybe I'm a second voice today. Maybe I'm just reiterating what you already know. Maybe you've never heard this before, but may I talk to you today and may I talk to everyone in your own line today. You may suffer some pain. The pain is temporary. The pain won't last always, but God has a purpose and a plan for the pain you experience. God doesn't waste the pain in your life. And I'm here to tell you right now, though you have experienced some pains in this COVID-19 pandemic season, you, my friends, will suffer no harm. Paul took the snake, shaked it back into the fire from where it came. And you know what I believe real quick? Let's get started. I believe this with all my heart, that the snake didn't come from the weeds. The snake didn't come from the field. The snake didn't come from the tree. God created that poisonous creature to come up out of the fire and after Paul shook it off, it went back into the fire. There are some things that God is allowing you to deal with. There are some things that God has brought to your neighborhood. There are some things that God brings into your space. But don't be uh, discouraged. In fact, be of good cheer. God will bring you out of every one of them. Bible reminds us in Isaiah 54, stand to your feet, no weapons formed against you will prosper. Now, I think we're going to quote the scripture. Let's quote it right. There will be some weapons, right? And there will be some weapons that are formed with your name on it. Uh, you may not receive this. I know this sounds like a victim, uh, and I may sound a little crass, uh, but I do believe right now that the devil hates you. He seeks you as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. But I need to, need to remind every one of you right now that no weapon, come on, somebody say it with me, no weapon 
uh, though it may have been formed. And not only that, but it was formed with my name tattooed all over it. But the Bible says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I love what Isaiah goes on to say. He said, all of these naysayers, all of these gossipers, all of these haters, every tongue that will rise against you in judgment, God will make it such a way that they'll be shown to be in the wrong.